One, two, three, four. Just another day at my dead end profession. I've lived day to day. Yeah, listen to some good old country records on the radio. Hell, yeah, what else can I say? Welcome back to the Degenerate Podcast. I'm Ryan Shores. With me, as always, is Dave Callens. Hey, hey. And on the soundboard, Mr. Robert Timothy. Woohoo! So as you can see from my array of snacks in front of me, I woke up depressed. Yes, <laughs> clearly. You don't usually come as, in. As the listening audience can see. Yeah, you don't usually come in with, with pork rinds and Heineken, but today was a bad day for Ryan. And jerky. Don't and jerky. <laughs> original. And my pork rinds come with a hot sauce packet. You know, I've, I've been in the mood for these ever since the other day. I was uh, outside a show with some other comics at a bar. And I just overheard one of them say, oh, do they even have pork rinds out in California? And I turned around and went, yeah, I buy them all the time. And everyone started laughing. And one of them was a professionally wrestling clown. And when, he, <laughs> and when he's laughing at you for being too white trash, you know, that'll get to your self-esteem a little. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a kick. <laughs> so you woke up depressed from that and bought pork rinds? No, no. <laughs> I'll show it's you. It's a vicious cycle. I'll show you. <laughs> hey, man, you, when you wake up with a, home, with a hangover, you drink, you know, that's just for the, to drink with the shame of drinking so much last night. That's kind of what it's like. Do you think there's a liquor store owner who, like, when somebody is buying pork rinds and beer at 10 a.m. on a Saturday, just looks and is like, here's a card. They might be able to help you. No, every no, time. Someone like that would be the liquor store owner's hero. He's like, oh, fuck yeah, buddy. Get it. You're going to have a good day. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, every time I walk into a liquor store, some, like, Armenian liquor store owner sizes me up and goes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they just, before I've even started shopping, they're like, oh, this guy's, this guy's a big fish here. Yeah. Also, I can't not picture a Jay and Silent Bob scenario, but it's Ryan and the Laughing Clown wrestler hanging out in front of a liquor store just eating pork rinds. Just talking pork rinds. Yeah. I also feel like pork rinds and beer on Saturday at 9 a.m. is the title of a good country song. Like, throw in a pickup truck and a train. Hey, it's noon, asshole. <laughs> I mean, it is now. Clearly, you had to purchase those things before now. Like 15 minutes ago, the beer's still cold. <laughs> There's two empties. <laughs> anyway, um, so last night, uh, headlined the Comedy Palace, two shows back to back. A couple little snafus happened. Number one, so I've mentioned on this on this show before that the owners of the Comedy Palace, a pair of Greek brothers, notorious cheapskates. Oh, yeah. And kind of batshit crazy a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I love the guys, They're but very that's... Very kind, but a little nutty. To refresh your memory from a previous story, I went to the Comedy Palace uh, to in the middle of the day during off hours to be interviewed on a show, podcast. The owner comes up to me, buddy, 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 Mr. Ryan, you do so many great things. I see you now. You start here. I'm so proud of you. Please let me get you a drink. And it was 2 p.m. And that day I wasn't drinking. <laughs> and I said, no, thank you. He said, please, please let me get you a drink. And he poured me a really foamy, warm Bud Light that I didn't want and handed it to me. And I was just trying not to be rude. And I went, all right, thanks, George. And he said, $7 whenever you're ready. <laughs> I oh, you I do. fucking I love, I love it because, in a way, there's a subtle genius to it. <laughs> like, really, yeah. Theoretically, you did get a beer from a bar, and if you were to try and protest to a cop, I didn't try to buy a beer, they'd be like, oh, you just go into bars and take beers all the time. Like, from a certain perspective, it makes you seem crazy, but if you hear the actual story, he's definitely the crazy I, Well, I mean, I can also point out, it's 2 p.m., this is a comedy club, and they're closed. <laughs> he looks in the back of your car, he's like, the back of your car is filled with Heinekens and pork rinds, I think maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just don't look at my ashtray and we'll, we'll call it. <laughs> anyway, so um, I go in the green room. One thing that I, I will say is um, I have a very staunch, I'm very principled on green room etiquette, and that is every performer on the show should be allowed in the green room, okay? The headliners, openers, you know, I've been to some shows 
where like they had a big enough name. Like, no, 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 you're not allowed in the green room. Data Carvey's in there. I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck him. You know. Now, real quick, before you get into this, can we talk about the disparity of green rooms at different clubs? I'm gonna oh make a God. I'm gonna make a yeah. coffee table book of different yeah. green rooms. It's usually just a repurposed storage space, and yeah. uh, you're sitting on crates or a broken TV. Yeah. The it's- baseline is like a table. Maybe a couch, a few chairs, possibly yeah. a television. That's like baseline. But I've seen some, Ryan, I'm sure you've seen some. Mm-hmm. It's like the storage room, or even like the, the hot water heaters in there, like the fucking utility <laughs> yeah. closets, shit like that. There's, there's like a fat guy crying. It's like, shut up, Uncle Larry. Uh, come on in here. <laughs> and so, then I know legend tells of, of actual nice green rooms that I have sure. never seen myself. <laughs> I've seen, I, I, there's one nice green room that I like to go to. It's at the Ice House in Pasadena. It's actually set up like a little living room, and they put out like fruit and chips and shit. Mm. That's the only one in my 10-year career that I've enjoyed being in. Anyways, so uh, most comics at the Comedy Palace hang out in the bar area. I like the little green room. I, I, mm. I bring I bring along on dinner so I don't have to buy overpriced food from that club. Because again, George will not <laughs> yes. cough you your meal or any drinks. And you won't even get a discount. Uh, You're oh. paying comedy club gouge prices. And by the way, I've been doing comedy just as long as Ryan I didn't even know that club had a green room yeah, until about I've, a year ago. I've yeah. done a few shows there. I've produced oh a few God. shows there, and I didn't know that yeah. had a green room. And that's why it's a great kept secret. secret or so, <laughs> and it's a it's a fairly okay green room. Uh, but like, um, I um, I set up. I had like a, a burger, two bottles of water, and a coke. Right. That's mm. that was my amenities for the evening. And I was just sitting back there writing my set out. I also had a pad of paper. And um, uh, all of a sudden, uh, the owner comes barreling in. And he's like, what is this? What is this? We have we have big celebrities here tonight. Big celebrities. They have a, a people from the Kill Tony podcast coming through <laughs> to do a musical number in the main room later that night. He's like, no, you must, what is this shit? And he's brought his, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, his, 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 his Aaron guy, Luis, with him, who's my friend, uh, who he's yelling at, like, clean this shit up. Clean this up. What are you doing? I'm like, George, that's my food. That's my water. It's my mess. I'll take care of it. He goes, no. He cleaned it up. And like, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, don't make a guy fucking clean up my mess right in front of me. That's wildly uncomfortable. In fact, you do it with one hand and make it harder. Like, yes. I thought he was going to throw the burger on the floor. I'm like, you eat. You eat that, Luis. You eat it. Hey, maybe that's Luis's kink. You, know? yeah. you don't know. You don't know his story. And like, fucking like, Luis's eyes were just rolling in the back of his head. He's just so used to this abuse. He's just like, yeah, whatever. So, yeah, so that was it. And then they kicked me out of the green room because like, oh, big podcast coming through. I'm like... What the fuck? So uh, I get I get shooed out of there. Second thing that happens is um, the uh, I'm co-headlining, right? And for listeners that don't know, when you co-headline, you switch off who goes second because that's called the check drop spot. It's the spot where uh, as you're on stage, waiters are coming around, and n- n- even the even the most well-behaved audience member, when that check gets dropped, suddenly they turn to all right. Let's see here, who had the ravioli? Yeah. Wait, uh, ma'am, ma'am, none of us had a, a Miller Light. Can uh, we split this? Yeah. Do you guys want to do? Who has cash? Who has cash? So you you know, as a headliner, you have to learn to adapt to that. You know, the environment does not adapt to you. You adapt to the environment. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn to be like, all right, the waitress is over there. Let me talk to this side of the audience. Blah blah blah. So it's etiquette to switch off with that. The I was co-headlining with a girl who came down from LA, and I agreed to take the check drop spot on the early show. Then during the second show, when we got shooed into room number two by the fucking Kill Tony podcast, oh, you got put off into a different room. Yes, even? we did. Oh my god. Yes, we did. That's uh, amazing. Yes, we did. Um, and uh, I noticed that she's on stage like third up in the lineup, and she's headlining three people up. I'm like I, I pull the the uh, MC aside, like. The fuck is this? Like, 
Oh, dude, she pulled the I have to drive back to L.A. card. Oh, you, so she went, oh. So you're doing the check drop spot both shows. Oh, I'm like, sucks. what? And we had an agreement. We, like, shook on it, me and this girl. I'm like, yeah. so I'll take it early, you take it late? Okay, cool. And then she just went behind my back and went to the MC and went, hey, I need to get out of here early. Oh. So give me the best possible spot. Let that's me headline so in the middle of the show. Oh, that sucks bad. So, anyways, last thing about last night's thing is um, the worst possible thing happened is I crushed on the early show and struggled on the second. Now, that's not just because the late show is always harder. Yeah. They were burnt out. They were drunk. I wasn't doing well. But some friends uh, came through, and they brought some friends who had never seen me. So I had to struggle and sweat in front sure. of people who never seen me that's for always, the first time. That's always unfortunate. It is. Uh, but the, the worst part about it is that other show that bumped us into the second room was a music, uh, like a musical, funny parody song type thing. So you could hear it through the oh, wall. Yeah. And you know what? If you like parody songs, I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm just saying you like a stupid thing. <laughs> like, it, it's all the same. I, I like Henry Phillips, and that's it as uh. far as that genre is concerned. It's always same formula. Uh, dorky white guys playing acoustic guitars, uh-huh. and they start out by making the song sound like something you'd hear on contemporary radio, and then the chorus is about them putting their finger in their butt. That's the big punchline, and there's three choruses of that. So every time, while well, I'm on stage, already struggling, every time the waitress comes in and opens the door to uh, bring people their food, you just hear a big, loud chorus of, I put a finger in her butt, just throwing me off. <laughs> oh, it was a nightmare, uh, the second show. And by the way, I would prefer I struggle on the first show rather than the second. because right, then you leave out on a high note. You leave yeah. out on a high note, yeah. but you will you will feel your last bomb yeah. until you have a good show. Yeah, yeah I, could, I could do 99 good shows in one night, and then if the last one sucks, I'll drive home like, I'm a fraud! Oh, yeah. To- I mean, like, if you had a Ford Festiva and you drove it every day to work and it was a great running car, you wouldn't think twice about it, but then you get in a near-fatal accident in it and you never want to be in a Ford Festiva again, right? <laughs> so, like, the last thing has a big impact on it. Now, uh, parody songs do have their place. I'm a st- I I love Weird Al. Sure. Weird Al's fucking great. But that's the thing is it has to be clever, first of all. And yeah. songs, typical comedy parody songs are not clever. Like Ryan said, they're just an excuse to say things that are like stupid or mm-hmm. gross or whatever. Secondly, even if it's good parody songs... I'm not gonna sit through a whole fucking show of that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's really One more or two of a, and I'm good. That's yeah. a spice, not a main yes, dish. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Very yeah. good. Well put. Yeah, now, I also, do I do like the idea, by the way, also of the the green rooms that don't allow the entire comedian lineup to go inside. And I actually think that we should come up with a rule. Like, if you're the opener, you have to wear like an eyes wide shut mask when you are in the green room so we can all identify and mock you. The host will have some kind of sash. Uh, the feature, And then it ends with the headliner who wears a crown, a big, glorious crown on top of his head. Now, one nice thing, uh, going back to the, the chick who fucked you on the co-headlining gig. Right. Uh, now, this... Wouldn't do anything for you, but for me, since I help book at the Madhouse, I do get a little bit of, I don't want to call it revenge in that situation, but I do yeah, get yeah. something out of that. Because if something like that happens at the club, fucks over any of my comics or my friends or me, sure. next time they ask me to be booked, I can just, oh, well, no, I mean, you you said you had to leave early, so I can't put you on the yeah. show. You know, I don't want to inconvenience <laughs> you. I'll just fucking 
That's no. I, I, I can't love how passive aggr- you are. Dave is a fucking martial artist of passive aggressiveness. <laughs> yeah. Dave, yeah. Dave is the Anderson Silva of underlying <laughs> passive aggressive claims. He's to a be- black belt and snark. He's so good because half the time you're nodding along with him, like, okay, this guy's making sense without even realizing he's digging at you. That's what's yeah. fantastic. I, love it. I also don't like the part where it's like you were hired to be at a place till a certain time. Yeah, yeah. And, and you go, I, I really need to drive back to my apartment. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Th- you, this is your job, no? Exactly. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, somebody leaving early on the first day of work. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it's me being hired to go to a job from from uh, f- like seven to four, and it's like all of a sudden at two thirty, I'm like, I'd like to go home. Yeah. <laughs> like, like why? Because I want to be home. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize. I don't like to work. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyways, another thing that happened about a week ago at a show had a great show. I was I, I was I was walking on air with this set. However, I noticed in the bar that, that the show was being there was an old lady, and I mean fucking, she looked like she looked like she was eighty if she was a day, and she was sitting in a wheelchair, and it looked like like uh, the wheelchair was like moved by like a little thummy uh, oh, joystick, yeah. you know. So, anyways, she is old. now the whole audience is with me. I was I had them in the palm of my hand. So this is a bar. Yeah. Okay. She has not cracked a smile. She is she is scowling. Has anyone checked her breathing? I made that joke and she did not find it funny. <laughs> so, anyways, in that instance, you just have to ignore the one person that doesn't like you. You know, you want to break them open, but like you, you see them in their peripheral, and you just have to say whatever. Ninety nine point nine percent of the rest of the audience is loving this. Don't let that spoil it. So, afterwards, the uh, promoter comes up and the old lady is wheeling behind him, <laughs> and he goes, "Hey." Uh, I want to introduce you to, uh, to Agnes here. This is the the owner's mom. Oh God! Oh. And I said uh, she, she immediately asked you for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so I said uh, hi, Agnes, and she like nodded towards me. I went, uh, well, sorry if you didn't uh, like my set tonight. I know I used some colorful language, and she lifts her hand up, and she does the little come here finger at me. All uh-huh. right, and so I lean in, and she goes, "Can I get you a beer? Come on, <laughs> let me get you a beer." <laughs> And then I, I lean in, but then she does the Khmer finger more, like, closer. <laughs> and then I lean in, and it's, it, it, I'm literally, my ear is next to her mouth, and she goes, you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, I went, and, I, and I went, all right, well, I'm sorry. I, now, again, she's a thousand oh, years old. I don't care. Yeah. But then, then, she, then she does the Khmer finger again. <gasps> I'm like, oh, can't miss this more. I can't miss more of this abuse. Oh, this is fantastic. So I go back, she's like, I grew up listening to Carlin, <laughs> Pryor, Lenny Bruce. You, Ryan, are no Lenny Bruce. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, but hey, come on. High, high watermark. This is, this is fantastic. Hey, your show had a $100 budget, okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry the ghost of George Carlin will not be joining us here. I, just, I feel like this story is the precursor to why Ryan had to be bailed out of prison for elder <laughs> This, so, this reminds me of that movie Thinner. Where like, oh, the old woman is like funnier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I literally, I just kind of back up. I'm like, all right then. And now my back is to the bar, and she's right in front of me. So my friend Fiend Monsters with me, uh, Garrett, and uh, he just came to the show to hang out. And uh, he stood next to me at the bar, and I just turned to him, and uh, all of a sudden. This woman keeps wheeling towards me. <laughs> she wheels so far towards me, she pins my legs to the bar with her wheelchair and just stares up at me. <laughs> and I'm just fucking pretending she's not there now. I'm looking at Fiend Monster like, 
yo, is this really happening? He's like, what'd you do to that lady? I'm like, I don't know. She's, she says I'm not as funny as George Carlin. And he's like, you're not. I'm like, I know. I'm it's, trying to figure out if this is the beginning to a horror movie or a comedy movie. Well, that's what yeah, I yeah, said. Exactly. I'm like, I'm, and, 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 uh, five minutes passes. She still sits, pin my legs wow. in this bar, staring up to me, like fucking scowling. And I'm like, I'm trying not to make eye contact. I'm like, Garrett. Is she still looking at me? He's like, yeah. I'm like, have you ever seen Drag Me to Hell? I think that's about to happen. I'm so screwed. She's going to put some kind of gypsy curse on me. Oh. Anyway, so. Did she have a reason for just standing there and pinning your legs? Because I'm not as funny as Lenny Bruce. So, Bobby, she actually died. And her body slipped <laughs> yeah. forward. Her thumb hit she the was, button, and she just kept She was going forward. forward to apologize for being too curt. <laughs> yeah, well, so, you know, happy ending. <laughs> so, I have an interesting wheelchair story. I used to tell this on stage. This is a true story that happened. Uh, we have a good buddy who's a comedian, Vince D'Amico. And he's in a wheelchair, and not like a push-by-yourself wheelchair. He's been on he's the a, show before. Yeah. He, uh, th- if you want to know how paralyzed he is, the way he got paralyzed was he got drunk at the Tower Bar in San Diego on a very busy street, ran out into traffic, fell down and went to sleep. A lowrider fucking ran over him and dragged him for yes. several yards, and he woke up not using, being able to use anything but his mouth. And and as an additional just fuck you to him, it happened on April Fool's Day, so nobody believed him yeah. when it was, <laughs> <laughs> came out. But anyway, was regardless. Like, you did that to yourself as a Joke, right? Regardless, I love Vince. I think he's one of the funniest people I've ever met. And uh, I was walking around Balboa Park with my grandmother at the time, who's in her 90s, and I'm pushing her around in this wheelchair. And she looks at you and says, you're not as funny as Vince <laughs> <Demetra."> <laughs> I'm not. But, like, I I see Vince from far away. I can see him. And you can tell Vince because he's got, like, kind of a really big wheelchair, but he's also got long hair. So as a dude, he kind of stands out. And you can spot him from behind and I saw him from behind and I was like oh perfect I've been waiting like obviously we're comedians so we fuck around with each other so I'm like grandma could you play along and oh, I, she doesn't even speak English anyway so it doesn't matter so I like run her up to them she's old her feelings don't yeah, matter she's fine <laughs> she's basically dead so I run her I run him up and I come right up behind Vince and I just scream because he's like talking to a bunch of his friends and I just scream out She's 92 what's your excuse lazy legs <laughs> <laughs> and Vince turns around and it's not Vince. Oh! <laughs> it was a lady who had long hair. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm just staring there, wide-eyed. My grandma has no idea what's going on. She's oh looking and God. waving because she thinks we're seeing my friend. And all of a sudden, she does a Nazi salute. <laughs> I just looked shocked. Didn't you? I, there's nothing to say. What do you say? I'm sorry. I thought you were my friend. I'm sorry. I thought I was making fun of another crippled yeah, exactly, person. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You realize in that moment that there's no excuse so I just went ah and then turned around and laughed <laughs> and it was a special Olympics uh, so he's chased by a bunch of cripples and, uh, and then he, later when my, my grandma was talking to my mom she told him she's like we met a bunch of Bobby's friends they seem nice <laughs> Bobby, you should have doubled down on it. Like, no, I know you can walk. Come on, stand up, you lazy piece Lebowski, of shit. where I pick him up yeah. out of the wheelchair. <laughs> he lays oh, hands God. like it's an old-time revival. <laughs> Are you a healer? <laughs> anyway, so as long as we're continuing the, this uh, theme of being humbled, yeah, it's been a few episodes since th- Thanksgiving, but I did not share this initially. My family, I'll put it this way, people's perceptions when you're in any type of show business very drastically, you know? Mm-hmm. There are some people that, that may think that you're way bigger than you are. Uh, when that happens, I like to visit my family that really brings me down to earth. Oh, yeah. Because to them, there is only two levels of, of comic. Household names, selling out theaters and in movies, open micer. There, there is no middle ground. Yeah. Right. So 
every Thanksgiving when I or anytime I see my family, they always ask me, "Are you still trying to be a comedian?" <laughs> trying to be is a great dig. Yeah. Are you still Are you still doing the comedy? I don't know, Karen. Are you still trying to be skinny? Her name is Karen. That's crazy. <laughs> But, like, they don't mean anything by it. They sure. just are worried about me because to them. But the thing is, I'm like, I own a house with a yeah. mortgage. Like, I, I, cars. There's, there's there's lots of evidence that I'm doing okay and you don't have to right. fucking. See, that's the thing. I feel like that type of person, I don't know if this is your family or not, but I feel like that type of person who there's only two levels of comic. You're either Bill Burr or you're an open micer. Yeah. Even if you, like, make a living, you're making, like, six figures, you're nationally touring, whatever, they don't see you on TV. Yeah. You're not a successful comic. That is absolutely them. That's absolutely. If people don't come up and ask them, "How's your famous nephew?" Yeah. then he's a loser. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and the general public has this uh, this too. Like Russell Peters was on Joe Rogan talking, and Russell Peters, I think for the past three years, has been the highest grossing live comic. Meaning, like Kevin Hart has endorsements, but in terms of doing live theaters, Russell Peters is like the height above the rest but he was talking on Rogan about how like because he's not really well known like your average person listening to this probably doesn't know who Russell Peters is right. again yeah. he's the highest grossing live comic every single year in the past three years in the world and he's fairly popular but because people don't know him they come to him with like absurd requests like he was talking on Rogan about how he got offered a feature spot at a local bar <laughs> for drinks and he's like I literally play sold out theaters I'm like the only comedian on earth who regularly plays sold out theaters to people yeah. I'm not doing a feature spot for two Jack and Coke that's hilarious yeah. you know it's funny too is because when I when I mention things that are attached to comedy they almost act confused about, like, for instance, I'll be like, oh, hey, Aunt Karen, this is my commercial for Baja Designs. It was on TV. Why were you on TV? Because I'm in show business. And 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 and, and I, I remember when I did the Soapy Joe's ad? She's like, why were you in a Soapy Joe's ad? You own a car wash now? <laughs> really? I'm like, I'm like, do I have to explain who I am again? <laughs> Finally, Can we Ryan, get this lady a resume? Ryan gets so frustrated, all of a sudden you just hear from behind me, hey, lazy legs, she's 92. <laughs> but it is nice. I need that because, you know, some people like on Facebook are like, man, do you do you, do you like, like a private jet when you go to the, play those casinos? I'm like, no. I'm like, oh, man, but thanks for thinking that. Let me go call my Uncle Ralph so he can ask if I've worked for any drinks tickets this week. Right. <laughs> one of my favorite type of comics is the one who thinks that that low level is successful. Yeah. So like posting like, hey man, I just did a bar where they didn't expect comedy to be and it was great. Like, yeah, the, the most minor accomplishment they fucking... I think we all have that guy on our friends list that's just like, you know, every day is them grinning into the camera because they're about to headline a laundromat and this is <laughs> proof that they've made it in the business. Yeah. Uh, Something happened this week. My friend did it, and friend, if you are listening, I'm not mad at you anymore, but uh, this happens to me about five times a year, is before I go to gigs, I always confirm. I always uh, send a Facebook message, I call, I text, and I say things like, how much time am I doing, when you want me there, blah, blah. If I already know that information, I very most say, are we still on for Thursday at Small Bar, yeah. you know, whatever. But about four or five times a year when I do that, and this is the reason I do it, the promoter will be like, oh, no, that got canceled. 
<laughs> like, when the fuck were you planning on telling me? Shortly after showtime. <laughs> That's the answer. Like, you were going to let me show up. You were going to let me show up. So, like, that's that's one thing where I'm like, this is why so many people are in comedy, because you can't get fired. Yes. Like, imagine doing this in any other field of work where it's like, you were uh, an executive assistant, like, hey, make sure that we, we cancel that meeting in Chicago next week. And then when a bunch of people sh- land in Chicago and there's no one at the board meeting, you go, oh, I never I never canceled that. It's, I never I never called anyone. It's <laughs> ridiculous. It's so frustrating. So this happened early on to me, and this was really infuriating when I first started and I was doing bringer shows. And I was living out in the desert working out there, but I would come here to do a bringer show. It's a 90-minute drive each way. Oof. And the way that my schedule worked out is like I had, eh, let's say like, uh, 80 minutes to make this drive at one point from the end of my workday until when this show was supposed to start. It was in December. I had just started comedy. It was the first time I was going to invite like my brother and sister who were in town for, for the holidays and a bunch of people for this bringer show. Super excited. Practiced my set to the nines. Speeding at 100 miles an hour over the mountains on the eight to try and get there. And I show up to the comedy store and there's a note on it that has like the night's listings. And I'm like, Neither of those comedians are me. My name's not, my name's not karaoke. And then I was like, uh, and I contact the booker, and he's like, oh, yeah, we canceled that show three days ago. And I was like, uh, okay, but how was I supposed to know that? And he goes, we sent out emails. And I go, uh, you didn't send one out to me. He goes, my favorite. Yes, I did. Okay, well, the good thing about this forum is that yeah. there is a record of this. And so I <laughs> replied to him with the last email he had sent, saying this is the last email you sent, which was from like two weeks beforehand. And he went, oh, yeah, okay. No, I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no I fucked I, up. I knew that was coming because Bobby, you're you're the same as me, like that. Like you want to show someone, prove to them that yes. they're wrong. Yes, but then they don't give a shit. Yes, and yeah. that's even more frustrating. Oh, it's so frustrating because I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And this uh, uh, bringer guy who we all know has some issues, and he works out of L.A. And so there's not, I can't even like go and like pound on a door or something because this guy's fucking 200 miles away. He never even made the drive down. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember being so infuriated. And you got to think like. There is a mindset of person who makes a mistake like that and is like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just disenfranchised this person. They just drove breakneck speeds for the equivalent of, you know, 150 miles to be do something, invited their family, and they're not going to do it. I feel so horrible. How can I make this up? And then there's one that goes, yeah, fuck them. Like, bah, who cares? You know? And it's – I wonder if to be a bringer, like, it's selected for. Like, you have to have the ah, oh, fuck them mindset in order to make that thing work. I think you definitely gravitate towards that if that's the type of person you are, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I told this before, but, like, um, my favorite incident of that was I was negotiating with a um, – she was a punk rock promoter, and she was doing a show – this was early on in my career. I'm, like, three years in – that was uh, both music and comedy – Ugh, we talked about it last yeah. show, bad idea. But uh, anyways, we negotiated a date. Let's call it December 11th because uh, she, she initially wanted me for her November show. I couldn't do it. I said, what about this, this show in December? She said, all right, you're booked for December 11th. And on December like 9th, I was like, uh, hey, uh, when do you want me to show up on December 11th? She, she responds, I don't book flakes. Fuck you. <laughs> and then she made a post on Facebook saying, don't book Ryan Jersey flakes. I'm like, Amber, what are you talking about? Like, she's like, you you no showed my fucking November show. Fuck you. And I li- and I so- sent her a screenshot of when we said December eleventh. Yeah. And and, it, and she said, okay, I'll see December eleventh. And her response was, oh, well, I'm not gonna book that show anymore anyway. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Uh, yes. No, I cursed you out. Made a public <laughs> post with your name in it. Right. None of that was rectified. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is the job of stink bombs. Just so we're all clear, this is why this is here. Not bad, less. <laughs> 
So another thing, I, I don't know if you guys ever get this. Dave, I want to get your opinion on it too. D- Bobby, you're my same age, so maybe you're feeling this too. Is that um, I, I was uh, supposed to play a gig in um, Pacific Beach recently, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it turned Party out- side of town, kind of like where you would live if you were a young kid, either right. in or just out of college. Right. Get that- anxious on your behalf. Yeah. That is a- that's a place where you move when you first turn 21, yes. and you leave when you're 28 because you're a little too old to be there. I yeah. think you leave when you're 23 because you're a little too old to right. be there. It is, uh, it is for children yes. to drink. Yes. So anyway, yeah, if you go there, you're going to see a Marine beating the shit out of a frat boy, mm-hmm. and you're going to see uh, 300 of the hottest girls you've ever seen that yep. don't want nothing to do with you. And, so, if, you're, and if you see me uh, on a blind date, you'll see a, a young lady yelling the N-word down the middle of the main drag. Ah, I love that story. <laughs> So anyways, I had a gig there, and I used to be fine with playing there because I started comedy when I was 23. Yeah. So when I used to play Pacific Beach, I no matter what I was talking about, these people were, like, were, were my same age. They'd be like, yeah, this guy speaks our language. Yeah. Now I'm 34, so now I'm always worried, like, are they going to get my references? Like, yeah. if I say Guns N' Roses, is that, like, the equivalent of, like, talking about phonograph music? <laughs> my mortgage interest deduction joke just isn't going over well here. <laughs> yeah, if, like, uh, are they going to be sitting there like, who brought their creepy uncle that's clearly going through a divorce <laughs> and trying to get back in the single scene? Because I think maybe a mixer up in North County might be more his speed. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I, I'm just terrified of that kind of thing. Turned out it was more in the adult side of town, where, like, nearer to the freeway but still it that that's a concern that i start having it used to be like oh no there's gonna be old people they won't understand my facebook joke but now i'm getting to that age i'm like oh shit young crowds what do young people talk about you guys ever have that oh yeah well i i have this in a interesting way that ryan i wonder if you would relate to which is uh every once in a while i used to not only do martial arts but be a martial arts instructor actually for most of my adult life i've been (laughs) been a martial arts instructor and occasionally i dip my toe in the water like uh, i've been training some guys up at the res who want to be mma fighters i've been training them with their hands and stuff uh but i wonder if you have this thing which is a little bit of the same thing but for fighting instruction which was as a cocky young man who is an active fighter like you actively fight not i train a little bit but like i stand in a ring and fight another human on a regular basis. When you first start training or instructing people later, especially people who have never fought before, there is an attitude, and it's not undeserved, it's usually pretty spot on, of like, all right, this kid might be 19 and 100 pounds heavier than I am, but this is fine. I got this. Like, I'm going to get yeah. in my, we're going to go do a sparring session. I got to teach this kid some stuff. So uh-huh. I'm going to tune him up a little bit and like, they'll be fine. It doesn't matter that he's bigger and stronger than I am. Yeah. And that is the attitude. But three weeks ago, I was just doing some instructors with somebody. He's an 18 year old kid. He's fighting heavyweight at 250. And like, I got into the ring, just started playing around my normal side. And I took a blow and I was like, where to? Chest, jaw? No, it was actually like the kind of neck neck area. Like it, it, it was the the neck jaw area. Okay, it was uh, a really sloppy thing that happened in the middle of an exchange. But like I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I can no longer just come out with the I can handle it mentality. Yeah. I can't just hop in there with somebody completely cold and just fuck it. Who cares? Like I am getting too old to be a martial arts instructor who doesn't like spend a lot of attention worrying about what he's about to do. Because all of a sudden you realize like, man, these kids don't get tired and these kids are way stronger than I remember being at this age. And like all of the stuff kids on you. So similar to the, when I was 23, I just used to walk into PB and everybody can relate to me. Yeah. It's like, when I was 24, I used to just walk into the gym, hop in the ring, let's go, guys, we're going to train, we're going to train sparring, there's no problem. And now I have to be like, mm, 
I gotta pick my battles on this real carefully so I don't get old man beat. I have that. Uh, I have that feeling too when it comes to doing stupid shit. Like you know, back when we were twenty three, I would hop in a shopping cart and let someone push me oh, off yeah. the fucking ledge with it uh, because it'd be a good story. And worst case scenario, I'd get hurt and then heal. Yeah. But now I'm like uh, every injury. I'm like. This could be the rest of my life. This could be, <laughs> if I run into that wall for a funny video or just take a pratfall on stage, I could sustain an injury that requires like multiple back surgeries through the rest of my life. I develop a fucking painkiller addiction. That's just, that just, I, I trace all my problems and my divorce and the loss of my house back to me doing that little yeah. fall on stage. Yeah, 20s Ryan is like, see this scar? I was fighting for the light heavyweight championship yeah. in the cage. 30s Ryan is like, see this scar? Did a pratfall as a closer at a show. <laughs> last night <laughs> see the scar i fucked the stool i fucked it good dude well i had something interestingly similar happen this week which is this week at nerd night one of the speakers we had were people who were i don't know what you'd call them fencers or something they they fight in medieval armor okay and, no viking mike does that okay yeah and so when they they had their little spiel and the whole thing about the history behind it and all this stuff and i'm watching this and i turned to the security guard he's like kind of a buff dude and i go listen i know this sounds like an asshole thing but I feel like I could beat the shit out of one of these guys. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, 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 me too. And then they do their demo, and it's like, by the way, it's a like a 45-year-old man and maybe a 20-year-old lady. And they're in full armor. Like, so it's like Renaissance fair shit. Yeah, f- okay. but like real armor. Yes, like not, yeah. not fucking styrofoam shit. Right. Like solid steel armor with solid steel swords. And they did their demo fight. And within like 30 seconds, I turned the guy. I was like, I was fucking wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> this is like the guys who go, oh, I could beat that jujitsu black belt. I know what I'm th-. like. I was fucking yeah. wrong. And it was amazing to watch because you're like, you think of this as the nerdiest thing ever, like dudes fighting in medi- medieval armor. It was fucking brutal baseball bat swings with a sword to the body yeah. and and to the head Viking Mike comes back to his house fucked up after one of those days they hit the steel pummels of these swords into the side of the helmets and it sounds it just sounds like a tank hitting a wall it's the fucking craziest thing and I'm like how are you not getting your bell rung yeah. how are you fucking surviving these are brutal hits and then at the end you're like alright one of those things too old. Like I yep. <laughs> maybe in my youth I might have the the whatever the the balls or the stupidity to jump in there and be like, all right, put some chain mail on me, I want to do this. As an adult, you're just like, fuck that baseball bat swing <laughs> of that metal fucking sword. Dude, that's awesome. That reminds me of uh, early two thousands before MMA was big. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was this group of guys up in Long Beach, I think, called the Dog Brothers. Mm. And they used to do stick fighting. And they would do public demos. Like and they would Filipino even, stick fighting? Yeah, but okay. they wouldn't even call it escrima or knees. Yeah, yeah. It was just stick fighting. But they would wear a fencing helmet, and that's it. Yeah. And fight with sticks. No. They would have, like, welts and oh. bruises and scrapes and scratches. They would fucking go hardcore. It was nuts watching these dudes. Just out in a park in Long Beach. Yes. It is, it is. It's crazy because, again, you have that youth thing. Like Ryan was talking about, the 23-year-old dude who's watching that, and they're like, I can tell 23-year-old Bobby's like, you guys got an extra suit of armor here? I'm, I'm fucking in. Like, <laughs> I'm, I want to go for this, right? Okay, so the reason I bring up uh, my apprehension with uh, talking to young people is I was recently, I got an honor that I think even Bobby would be proud of me for. Okay. Um, not drinking Heineken before night. <laughs> <laughs> I waited until noon. <laughs> you did not. You got it. I opened it right in front of you. <laughs> anyway, I got contacted by a teacher at my old high school, and she's adding my some of my material, some of my written material, some of my stand-up material to her class curriculum to teach her junior class about modern satire and humor. That's fantastic. So, and then I'm being asked to come back to 
my old school next semester to uh-huh. uh, as an accomplished alumni to talk about show business, comedy, writing, stuff like that. Big honor for That's me. That's awesome. I, I'm really, I, I was psyched about it. I'm still psyched about it. I hate to make you unpsyched, but I did think it was going to be slightly bigger when you said <laughs> the old teacher called it. I just wanted to call to tell you you were the hottest student I've ever had. <laughs> I still think about you. <laughs> she hasn't not said that yet. We haven't hung. Maybe we'll go out for a drink after this whole thing. Frankly, oh. my writing sucks. This is clearly a ruse to get me in the door. Yeah. I'm I was thinking the other direction. I was like, teacher calls, like, the school filed a restraining order against you. <laughs> Please don't come near the campus. <laughs> the under reason it says raspiness. <laughs> hey, you know that dream lots of people have where they found out they failed some tests back in high school and have to go back? Well, that's really happening. <laughs> we call this a typical Billy Madison situation. <laughs> it happens more than you think. We, uh, I, I discovered you you fucking plagiarized that paper on, on the prayer for Owen Meany, so you're going to have to come back and redo that semester. Oh, God. And, or that fucking that, that high school diploma is null and void, and that domino affects into your your college diploma. It's part of a series of legislation called the Freaky Friday bills that just really changed <laughs> the way we do rules out here. There will be an '80s comedy team following you. <laughs> anyway, so I start. So at first, I'm I, I'm, I'm psyched. I'm like my 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 literally my fucking writing is going to be taught in school. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Then I thought about talking to her juniors and the school as a comedian and not I'm not doing a set but you know yeah, yeah. I'm going to do a Q&A about that kind of thing. Yeah, crowd work. Yeah, this guy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Where are you from? Oh, you're all from here, huh? <laughs> Who's banging this one? <laughs> oh, it's pizza day in the cafeteria. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm like, wait a minute. Is comedy even cool to like Gen Z or whatever they're called? Like, sure. I, I think no, comedy's I, probably cooler to young people now than ever. I don't know. I feel There's like another it, guy in his 30s. Uh, well, no, but because like the availability of like Netflix specials and stuff. Do you remember when we were kids? Like, I remember wanting to see like this. Th- people were talking about uh, uh, a Carlin special that I really wanted to see because, like, oh, you're smart. You'll love this Carlin thing. And it was like, I got to go find a VHS. The blockbuster near my house doesn't have it. Like, there's yeah. no internet. What are you going to do? Yeah. Whereas now, you could be exposed to the best minds in comedy in an afternoon from your living room sitting on the couch. And as we've learned, some of the best minds in comedy will expose themselves to you. Yeah. So, <laughs> But also, I understand Ryan's apprehension because I could see, like, the class being like, oh, shit, a comedian's coming in and talking to him. And Ryan walks in like... Who's this guy? Yeah, you know, okay. dude. Yeah, going so back to like his family. Like if sure. you're not famous, you're fucking nothing. Yes. So that it all comes full circle. I'm like wondering, not only are they going to be disappointed in whatever schmo they just pulled in off yeah. the streets here, <laughs> but like I do feel like comedy kept skipping a generation. Uh, let me let me just break it mm. down for you as the way I see it. The silent generation, there was no comedy. <laughs> that, 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 the vaudeville arm like Chaplin and stuff, but it's visual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so modern comedy started with the baby boomers. So they had Carlin, Pryor, Cosby. That was theirs. They, they, they loved comedy. The next one, Gen Xers, I feel like comedy was uncool at that point because the comedy boom happened and then it was dying down. Mm. So your comedy was people that were like doing it ironically, like, hey, I'm Jeline Garofalo. I guess I'm doing comedy or whatever. <laughs> it was like it was like snarky, like, ah, I'm just I don't I'm unaffected by all this. I'm not really doing comedy. It's sure. it's more art house. Yeah. So I think it skipped Gen X. Then our generation, like fucking Dane Cook was a superstar. Yep. You know, it it was cool again. The blue collar comedy tour even mm-hmm. was like Huge high school students were quoting comedy. I think we are back now to like who's the, who's the comic? Well, no, I think now what's funny to this younger generation is like really short, like like TikTok and uh, Snapchat and just yeah. like quick little funny like Jezelneck. 
No, not even Jeselnik. No. Like, like some, Jeselnik doesn't have a single joke that's longer than 11 but seconds. But it's not just the joke. It's like, it's, it's almost going back to physical comedy, too. It's yeah. like they want something quick and funny, and that's it. On to the next. I don't know. I, I, I'm agreeing with Dave. I think anytime I've seen a, uh, like, um, my stepdaughter or any of her friends show me what they think is funny, it's someone like uh, doing like a TikTok or, or a little uh, quick video on Instagram where they're like, Wearing some like a funny hat and going, the dick is big, like or, like just like something mm. like that. Not long form, right? Philosophy like stand up right. comedy is. It's someone doing a funny voice, doing a funny thing that lasts three seconds. Yeah, and there's a thousand videos of them. So what you're saying is, real quick in and out for you at the school. You just show up. <laughs> hey, my name's Ryan Shores. I'm a comedian. Later. Yeah, <laughs> but like upside down on a skateboard or something zany. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. What break, if you came in wearing the previously discussed comedian's hat? <laughs> well, like I said, who is the comedian? Oh, that is oh the I superstar? hope he sells merch at this school. I hope he sets on the table. <laughs> Save your lunch money, kids. Do I get drink tickets for being here? Cheapskate. No. During, during his set, the teacher's going to hand out report cards. It's going to be like the check drop spot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have to tell her, I had to leave early to go back to San Diego. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so are you going in there? Is it? Is yeah, it like- I'm going to do it next semester. And, and it's still an honor for me, but it, it, I am nervous. I'm nervous that I'm going to, like, Michael Scott this. I'm, I'm going to misunderstand, like, uh, my importance of oh, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, totally. I, I'm, I'm going to deliver the wrong <laughs> they, monologue. They actually called him in as part of a scared straight program. <laughs> like, they have the valedictorian, and then they brought in Ryan, and they're like, you don't want to be this guy. <laughs> One of them had dreams of golden treasure. He's the loser that smokes. I'm also picturing uh, the day he goes in, the principal kicks out one of the teachers from the green room so that Ryan can have it. Like, what, you can't be in here? No, oh, yeah, this up. This teacher's lounge is mine now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, or, or maybe, maybe those kids will bring out some insecurities in me. Like, so how many times, how many Netflix specials have you done? None. But I mean, I was, well, how many times have you been on tour with a celebrity? Well, okay. Uh, none, but, uh, and then that'll just keep going yeah. until, until like, I'm just sitting on the podium. Like, you know, sometimes you just don't know where your life went. And, uh... It used to be that you could just lie to kids, which was nice. But like now, thanks to their proficiency with Google, like that's just out of the, like before Ryan could have just been, he's like, who do you like? Who, what comedians do you like? And somebody's like, I like Bill Burr. He's like, I toured with Bill Burr, whatever. <laughs> Fucking Bill Burr is my best friend. Bill Burr and I do two shows together. What do you yeah, want? Whatever. Like, I'll right. add that to my website and then it'll come up first in <laughs> yeah, Google. Ryan go. did tour with Bill Burr. That one site references that. Dude, I'm just picturing, because they're all going to have their smartphones out, obviously, because yes. kids are like that. So Ryan's going to be talking. He's going to mention something comedy-related, like a joke or something structure. And the kid's going to be like, oh, that's a Carlos Mencia bit. Look right here. Where's <laughs> me? What? That motherfucker's stealing my shit now? <laughs> all right. Well, wish me luck on that. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. They're they're teaching my my writing that I've submitted as of Monday, uh, this coming Monday. Hey, so keep an eye out for a viral video. Comedian has meltdown in classroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be a good credit. <laughs> Finally, some national exposure. That's okay, but th- then Steve Hofstetter shut him down. No, no, no <laughs> that, the videos you'd be like, comedian destroys heckler, and then it's like in a classroom, and some kid is I'm just crying, punching a fucking eleventh <laughs> grader in the chest. <laughs> Don't interrupt me. <laughs> Take that, Hoff. <laughs> All right, let's call it a week before you do. Uh, we've got a show, another show coming up at the aforementioned Comedy Palace. I'm going to be back here the day after this airs, December 11th, at the Comedy Palace in Kearney Mesa. That will be, hopefully, my last show of 2019. Uh, I usually take the last couple weeks off, so last show of 2019, Wednesday, December 11th, Comedy Palace. Bobby. 
yeah, so I announced last week that uh, we were moving Nerd Night to Ken Club, even though that was a little bit of secret info. We actually didn't end up telling people at the Nerd Night show. So I had people come up to me. They're like, I listened to the podcast. Like, are you guys going to the Ken Club or not? We are. We just did not reveal it there for a few reasons. Why? Hey, this is the guy not telling people that they canceled oh, the show. Hey, we just did it to the audience. We're just moving the show. It's okay. We'll tell plenty of people. Uh, but yes, you guys on The Degenerates ended up getting a, an inside scoop on that. How dare you bitch about promoters not telling you to cancel the show, and then you fucking turn around and do it to your goddamn audience. I did so it to myself. Why, why didn't you announce it at the brewery? Uh, there was a few issues with, like, it was, we were taking- They wouldn't let us keep the chairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were taking over this show that somebody else had built for the past three years, and this was her retirement show, and the other co new co-boss of mine kind of brought up the idea, like, let's not step on her. Don't overshadow yeah, it. Okay, yeah. that's smart. I, I appreciate that consideration. Yeah, after three years, and she built the whole thing, it's like, let's make it about her, and we'll do the other stuff online later. Okay, all right. All right, Dave? Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> okay, no shows then? <laughs> ah, nothing. Out Fantastic. Out you can sure catch him at the madhouse <laughs> many days out of the week. All right, let's call it a week. I'm Ryan for Dave and Bobby saying see you next week. Cruising with the twos. Are you still doing the comedy? I don't know, Karen. Are you still trying to be skinny? Motherfucking time is passing